You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. This is Locked On Hornets, your daily podcast on the Charlotte Hornets and the NBA. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Search your podcast app for Locked On to get podcasts on the NBA, the NFL, and fantasy sports. I'm Doug Branson. I cover the team for FanRagSports.com. I am joined by the man, the myth, the legend, my co-host. He's been covering the Hornets since they were the Bobcats, David Walker. Doug, man, it's great to be back with you. I'm so very excited. I was just typing out an email to somebody who was asking me The Wire or Breaking Bad. I'm, I'm, we're going to stick to basketball today, but I just wanted to let you know what was going on in my world immediately right now. Because you said you were re-watching The Wire and reading the Abrams book, so I'm not too far behind you. As someone that has seen both shows, I will say that those are two vastly different speeds, I think. So, I mean, yeah, it really is just going to depend on the more. person. Like, they're, they're up on the Mount Rushmore, right? They're, they're oh yeah. one of the top two. So. Oh, yeah. But I don't think that you, as a person, I don't think you, it's not necessary that you like both, is what I'm saying, because I think they are well, two very person, different yeah. speeds. And uh, The Wire, in fact, the book sort of gets into this, that the reason why The Wire was initially not as successful as an HBO show, sort of buried behind The Sopranos and, and other shows, is because it is essentially a book that is a movie, or that it is a TV show. Yes, yes. Right, so it's, it moves chapters. at that speed. It's very slow. The developments, they plant a lot of seeds and a lot of wires. Okay. <laughs> you can follow us on Twitter, at Locked on Hornets. We've got a fantastic show for you today. New reports on the Hornets' general manager search from ESPN and Brian Windhorse. One day I hope that that ESPN just eats this podcast like it eats every other good thing in sports media, and we can just have Wendy, can have him on the show and just talk about it someday. Also, the Hornets play tonight against the Philadelphia 76ers here at home. If that sounds familiar, they just got done playing them a few days ago, so we'll have a few notes on that game as well. Plus, the NBA is considering changes to the one-and-done rule and more. So we'll get into that later on in the show. Uh, but first, I had a dream last night. Mm, here we go. That's what I'm talking about. And uh, I, I just need to talk I about it. I was too excited for that. <laughs> I don't know. I was, sorry, I was well, a little too excited well, for that. Is, <laughs> okay. Let's play some basketball! Um... This has a Hornets tie-in because Kimba Walker was in the dream. Uh, I, it was like All-Star Weekend in Charlotte, and I was—I guess I was Kimba Walker's handler. You know, they all have uh, PR reps that go with them to the events. Right. They have essentially they are they are handlers. They are you know they watch over them, and I guess that was my role. But anyway, uh, we decided to go to a a ultimate frisbee tournament, right here in Charlotte. And we went, and apparently I was drafted onto one of the teams, and, and it was it was told to me that I was really good at catching the frisbee. I, unbeknownst to me, I thought, well, yeah, I mean, I'm pretty good. But some, some people thought I was just really, really good at catching the frisbee. Anyway, we go to this tournament. I'm a little late for the tournament. I'm late getting there. I got lost on the way. And as I get there, the tournament is starting, 
And and David, I run down to the field just as it's starting, and the initial throw off, and I catch it midair. And and it was very it was a very fast throw, so I just caught it, and everybody was like, "Yes, he can catch." And I was like, "Oh man, I can catch." And then we start to play the game, and David, I then I proceeded to to drop every throw that was thrown to me from then on out. And so the dream was essentially the dream set me up a little bit. The dream set me up to be vastly disappointed in myself and and embarrassed. And then I woke up in a cold sweat. I pictured you running down and catching it in your mouth, like air bud style. <laughs> you were describing that. So, uh, but that's, that's crazy, man. I think, I think. What does that dream I, mean? What does I, that I, mean? I'll tell you. I, I think I know what it means. We've got to, we've got to pitch the uh, first, the inaugural <laughs> NBA all-star ultimate game next year. We'll find uh, a place for it. Guys, if you know Parks and Rec folks out there, tell them to contact us. Um, we should probably mix some celebrities in here. Of course, Doug and I will be captains of, of, of either team, so that's how that'll work. Uh, no, I think the captains of the team should be Snoop Dogg and 2 Chains. If they're in. They should. Hey. In the second inaugural um, celebrity uh, celebrity rap all-star game yes. should be yeah, Ultimate second. Frisbee instead. We'll just switch it. <laughs> I think I can talk them into it. <laughs> New oh, reports man. from ESPN and Adrian Wojnarowski and no wait Brian Windhorse had the one and done thing. Okay, now I'm set. All right, so ESPN's right. They're they're breaking everything these days. ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski is reporting that the Hornets have gotten permission to interview three general manager candidates: Philadelphia 76ers Vice President of Player Personnel Mark Eversley, Houston Rockets Executive Vice President of Basketball Operations. Gerson Rosas, and Miami Heat Assistant General Manager Adam Simon. Though, according to the report, Mitch Kupchak, former general manager of the Los Angeles Lakers, remains the front runner. So, David, what do you make of this very, very important report? Yeah, Woj says Charlotte has directly registered its interest with Cupjack. League sources said, "Is that like a formal registration process they go through? Like when you register for like what, like Fine China, you have to register for your your choice in GM? Is that is that how that works? Well, you have to get you have to get permission, David. You can't just go around willy nilly talking to people's do they people. Need permission? He's not working for anyone, is he? Oh, Miss Cupjack now." No. Yeah. You just so anyway, well, you still have to ask you have to ask his permission to, to can I may I speak with you? Be polite. Yeah. I mean, well, that's the one thing it tells me is that he maybe he has not reciprocated the interest mm. to the same level or at this point, or he is still at least thinking it over. The fact that um it hasn't gone either way would lead me to believe those conversations have happened, are still happening, you know, have not ended happening. So that's one thing. The other thing is, uh, Rosas, of course, we previewed. Kudos to Rick Bunnell, who included him in his list of potential GM candidates. And kudos to us for running down Rick's potential list of GM candidates on the podcast. Um, The guy that's interesting to me here, Doug, and probably you too, if I know you and I like to think I do, um, your guy from Miami, Simon, uh, because he's been integral in developing some of their integral or integral integral that's what i said integral (laughs) run that back take that out uh no leave it in 
and right. uh, his and G League guys. So bringing in the G League guys, identifying those guys, you know, the development of that. Something the Hornets have kind of tried to do, but certainly have not had the same success as have the Heat. Yeah, he's the Sioux Falls guy. Mm-hmm. It's been, I'm, yeah, he's he's been hardened by his time in Sioux Falls. I like the I like the Adam Simon name only because well I like all of these names. You know why, David? Because mm-hmm. they all they pretty much all represent a little something different, but in the same mold of guys that have been involved with organizations that are generally regarded as good at player development. You've got Philadelphia that has had some successful draft picks. You've got Houston, who it's it's very stats-based, and, and they're very analytical, but at the same time, they've got, they've got good scouts on that team. And then Miami seems to have just some of the best scouting and and yeah. you know general player development that we've seen across the league they just haven't been able to bring in big free agents uh since LeBron's departure uh but them. yeah Adam Simon if he were hired i think first job is to tell us answer this question where does Miami get all of those wonderful toys <laughs> where where are you stashing them uh, well, Gerson, good, yeah, go yeah, ahead. Well, I was just going to say on Eversley, uh, who was with, who joined the Sixers recently, just in 2016, but prior to that was with uh, the Wizards as vice president of player personnel. And I don't mind what the Wizards have done, especially in the draft. You know, they've tried to add some of these players that the Hornets are lacking, some of these type of players, these two-way players, uh, the Ubre Juniors, uh, the Auto Porters guys like that so to me that's kind of a vision towards what the nba is right now so yeah uh he, he seems like he has got an eye towards that and he was with the raptors as assistant gm uh the, the previous seven years so you know a couple of franchises that have done things a little differently i, I would say on on the whole but um certainly has things that you could point to and, and like well there are three organizations that represent the future of the nba right we talked a little bit about this when we did our recap or no did our preview for the Philadelphia 76ers game last week that that organization in terms of the the players that they've recruited for their team represent the future of the NBA the Houston ushered in helped to usher in with the Warriors this current revolution that we're seeing in the NBA and then Miami uh, definitely they're all about two-way play and athleticism they really Miami has been I think the opposite of Charlotte like Miami is built on athleticism, two-way play. Charlotte is built on skill. Like they they are you know whenever they play, it's an interesting matchup. And whenever they've played lately, Miami has had the upper hand at least at least this season. And, and, and so that's impo- also, like they're yeah. not they're not going after general manager candidates from Sacramento or Memphis or think, some yeah, other organization good. that you would consider like oh man that's. That's sort of the past. It's a weird fit, right? Yeah, and and especially with Miami, I mean, think they've given out a bad contract or two here or there as well. I mean, the Nick Batum summer, I believe, was the um, uh, I just had his uh, his his name in my head. Uh, the uh, Tyler Johnson was summer that a, as well. Was that a bad contract? <laughs> you don't hear much about that one, do you? Well, I mean, he's hear- a but he's a he's a valuable asset for that team, and 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 you you sort of lump him in in the same conversation with Nick Batum as players yep. that had to be paid. Like Tyler Johnson hmm. was going to go somewhere That's else and, and be paid. 
Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I mean, looking back on it, I, I think those two, they both are considered bad contracts, but given the timing of them, those two players were fortunate that that was the window, you know, where they had to sign. I'm just saying they fell victim to that too. But what they have done is selected guys that, you know, Charlotte probably had shots at as well. I mean, uh, Wayne Ellington, uh, they were able to pick up who, you know, beat the Hornets uh, once or twice when they played them this season. And they, as you mentioned, they've added these guys that they can just kind of turn loose and, 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 and excel on athleticism. And also they have Spolstra. I mean, I know he gets a lot of credit now um, as well. He should, but he's, he does a great job of implementing that system regardless of who they bring in, but they've, you know, missed out quote unquote on bringing in some of the larger name free agents. Um, I'm not going to count bringing back D Wade as, as bringing in a, a big name free agent, but doesn't count. Not, doesn't count. But hey, yeah, I mean, they, so, they just keep building. So you think that they've called up Mitch Kupchak and they've said, Hey, Mitch, the job is yours. And he said, I got to think about it. That's your that's your line of reasoning here. And I, I don't know if they've gone that I mean, some people think they've gone that far. Like it's his to turn but he, down. But, it's been, but I say that because it's been reported for a long time now that there has been some interest there. And, mm-hmm. and now we get to this point and they are now talking to three other people. And, and you would think Mitch Kupchak being the, the big name that he is, the big get that he would be that if there were interest on both sides, they would not be talking mm. to, to you know, requesting permission to talk to other people. And so the question is, if that is the case, if the Hornets have been somewhat rebuffed by Mitch Kupchak, what would be the sticking point for Mitch? Would it be this roster and the current cap situation that they're in? Would Mitch Kupchak no, view good. this <laughs> as too difficult... A, a web to untangle or what is it the the role that he would play uh is is yeah. it a situation where he would not want to groom a buzz peterson for a future general manager role or is it a situation where he looks at it and says listen i need autonomy i need to make the decisions and not have those decisions overruled uh every time and, and that's interesting mm-hmm. because there are some names, David, on this list that I think would also share that view. A Gerson Rosas, who, yes. if you remember, David, uh, took, a, took a job with the Mavericks. A three-month internship as GM. Right. <laughs> Left the Rockets, went to the Mavericks, spent three months there. Right before the season started, he resigned. Why did he resign? Well, reports would tell you that it's because – they made a bunch of decisions after they hired him, like the the ownership, yeah. and made a bunch of decisions, made a bunch of signings, did not give him the the decision-making power. And he said, listen, if you're just going to make all the decisions, what am I doing here? Right. So he pushed yeah. back. And, yep. And that's a check for him in my eyes, along with the experience he has and how Houston you're has in. gone into building things. Well, I mean, I just like that. I like his pedigree, but I like that too. It feels like I think Kupchak does wouldn't want to come in here and take a uh, you know a role like that either, where he's not going to have close to full autonomy like Rosas as well. So I mean, to me, that signals you know they're they're going in that direction that they want people to be able to come in and do that. I, I don't know, but it certainly feels like those two guys um, would want to have that. I mean, to, on your Kupchak question, I mean, would would it be would it shock you? if they brought in a new GM and also brought in 
Cupjack in a consultant type role, like a Jerry West type role. There'll be a lot of changes. There'll be a lot of hiring. But I mean, one theory thrown out there was that he may not want to come in and be GM by title. Okay, so you know, there's, a fourth, have a yeah, there's a fourth hang up then that he wouldn't even want to have that much responsibility for right. reshaping another franchise under Michael Jordan. Maybe. I mean, maybe that's the maybe. case. Maybe that's the hangup. And, and you, but, but then I think you get into a situation where there's so many cooks in the kitchen. Like, oh man, there's mm-hmm. so now, now you're adding more voices to, to this situation. Uh, and, and that's going to, you're, you're going to have some divide and conquer kind of situations where there really, I think there needs to be one commanding voice that says, okay, this is this is the, the I've heard all of the I've heard your arguments, and now I'm making my decision. And that person needs to be whoever they hire as general manager. And think back to their coaching hires recently, Doug. I mean, I feel like Clifford kind of came out of nowhere in that coaching search. You had Quinn Snyder, you had some other names that were popping up at the time. A lot of people raised their eyebrows too when Quinn Snyder was being interviewed. Um, he's turned out to be a pretty good one in, in Utah. So I think they've they they tend to, as they should. I mean, talk to more than one person, right? I, I think that's that's a good way of doing things. I mean, th- they want to have someone in place by what the start of the playoffs, so like end of mid April, um, is their goal, I, I believe. So they need to take a look around. They need to get some new ideas here. What other things are going on? Also, I think it's good because Cupcheck, as we said, you know, comes from maybe the older school, uh, and some of these guys are more well versed in how front offices are running in the NBA today. So I think they need to hear some of those ideas, even if it's just in an interview format. Quick break. We'll come back. We'll talk about Hornets and Sixers tonight, 7 o'clock tip. Plus, the NBA is considering ending the one-and-done rule. We'll tell you what we think. You're listening to Locked on Hornets. You are listening to the Locked on Hornets podcast. Thoughts on the news about Cody Zeller's injury? That's a tough one, man. I mean, what the Dude. He's just injured, man. It's, it's okay. okay. It's Look, just, you know, he's injuries just to deal happen. With injury. He didn't want <laughs> to get injured, okay, David? But, but uh, sorry, guys. I just had someone jump out in front of my vehicle. That's uh, that was unforeseen. Only on the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, Hornets and Sixers, their second matchup of the season tonight in Charlotte. 7 o'clock p.m. is the tip and is the beginning of a three-game homestand for the Hornets. So my first question, David, is do the Hornets need to sweep this homestand? It starts with Philadelphia, then they host Brooklyn, and then they wrap things up against the Suns on March 10th. Yes, because they've already lost one to the Sixers. Uh, we think that they need to at least win three of their four. They have four remaining games with the Sixers in this little stretch here. So that means, do the math there, Doug. They've got to win the last three. So, yeah, I think they've got to win this homestand. You're at home. You've got a chance to get off to a good start. And they, they need as many wins as they can get right now, obviously. Yeah, they've already. So they we after the All Star break, we said they could really realistically lose five, maybe six games. They've already lost three after the All Star break. They are there are uh, sixteen, sixteen games remaining. Nineteen games, sixteen games. One of those. They've got some games. Sixteen? No, nineteen games. They need to go there sixteen go. and three the rest of the way. 
So yes, the, this is a this is an absolute must win if they want to keep their playoff hopes alive. And they are barely they are, they are barely life support barely alive at this point. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see Dwight Howard, I think, go against Joel Embiid in this second yeah. matchup because Joel Embiid really got the best of Howard. One of his worst box score lines, six point six rebounds in that first matchup against Philadelphia. So that's the matchup that I'm watching. Can Dwight get a little bit more physical? With Embiid, it's tough because he's a big guy, and, he, and then Embiid's very physical. He was tossing. It's just so strange to see Joel Embiid next to Dwight Howard because I yeah. consider Dwight Howard to be a very, very large man. And then you see Embiid, and he's just on another level. So Yeah, that's a matchup I'm, I'm watching too. I want to see – how Embiid kind of treats him in his in the second matchup too, because like I mentioned yesterday, he was pretty businesslike. Like there wasn't a lot of fooling around. And not that Embiid does a lot of that during the game, but he has been known to go back and forth with guys like Russell Westbrook and uh, you know cause a little in-game drama. I don't think Dwight necessarily leans that way, but I, I could see him getting frustrated again. I mean, we could see a technical or two tonight. We haven't had a technical in a little stretch here. But I, I want to see how Dwight bounces back. And the other thing, you know, surrounding Dwight right now, Doug, is the fact that Clifford held him out uh, the previous game in the fourth quarter. So, like, how does that continue to play out moving forward? I mean, people are, are gravitating towards that right now as a big deal and a sign of maybe things that come. I mean, to me, I want to get your thoughts on this because to me, Clifford is always going to lean on guys that he knows what he's going to get. And for much of this season, you know, Dwight's played the whole season. Like, not many of these guys have. I don't think he had the option to really sit him late in games for most of the season. Cody Zeller was out. Like, what were the other options? So now he's got a few more things to play with, and and he's trying them out. You know what I mean? I don't think these options were available to him all year. No, I think that Steve Clifford is very matchup based, right? So yeah, sure. if you're if you're getting killed in your matchup in quarters one through three, the likely it doesn't matter what your name is unless it's Kimball Walker. And you give so much to the team offensively that that they cannot stand to be without you, even if you know you take the Kyrie matchup with Kemba. Like Kyrie could go for fifty, Kemba's not sitting the fourth quarter. He's that important. But apart from him, there's really if you get killed one through three in your matchup, and there is a reasonable replacement for you that that could deal with your matchup a little better, then you're probably not playing the fourth quarter. And that's it's just not a surprise. That's how Clifford has always operated and, and mm-hmm. will continue to operate. So if, you know, I, I think that if uh, if Dwight plays a little better, is able to get the, the best of Embiid early. And listen, there were a few plays early in that game and early in the Toronto game where he wasn't as active, aggressive, uh, focused defensively as he could have been. And, and they need him to be that way to open this game. Uh, also, Michael Carter-Williams out with a sprained shoulder that he sustained in that game against Toronto. Over and under, over or under, 37 yeah, minutes do it. for Kemba Walker. Oh, man, 37. It's high. <laughs> it's really high. But that's what I'm saying. Gonna throw, I thought you were going to throw out Malik Monk. There was, there, but I mean. they're desperate. Yeah. This is it. Yeah. No, he's got to play. I mean, uh, I'll go over. That man, that seems high though. I'm going to go over. I, I know. I said it high for a reason because mm. this matchup is is so. It really is must win. Like we joke about calling games must win all the time. 
but this really is, they have to win this game. Because yep. we're at a point now, like, it, it, they, can't, they can't lose and, and really improve their draft pick all that much. It, well, really, is, it really is right. playoffs, yeah. and then once playoffs uh, become a, um, a fantasy, then it's about watching players develop and saying, oh, can Dwayne Bacon do X or can Malik Monk do Y? Then that's right. what it becomes. And that's, you know, I didn't ask this question on the GM segment, but w- I think they need to, well, the question is, when should they hire a general manager? Like how quickly? And I think they've got to hire someone as quickly as possible so they can get in here and evaluate some games and evaluate some practices and find out what they have in these in this roster, in Dwayne Bacon, in Malik Monk, in some of these young guys, so that they can be proper, properly equipped to attack this next offseason, which will be very difficult to navigate. Yeah, the other thing about this game, Doug, is they were in the game. They led the game in Philadelphia for much of it. They lost it in the fourth quarter. So it's a winnable game. They've shown that they can play with these guys. Well, well, that oh, I was just no. gonna, that that was the point of the the last show, right? That we do, you know, they they yeah, can be. That's what I'm saying. They they've got to win the games they should win. Which this stretch of games, I wouldn't say this is when they should win. There's a lot more favorable matchup for them down the stretch. But this is a game they can win. Whereas like Boston, Toronto, even a Cleveland, I think is still going to be tough for them. They've got to stretch themselves on some of these. They need to win some of these. They probably shouldn't win, but they can be in the games. If the Hornets do turn things around next season, we're going to be talking on this podcast about a player that is currently on the roster that developed a skill that they currently do not have or a new player addition that allowed them to get over the hump. Because that's the situation that we're looking at, David. So many times they've been in, in game situations where – not even that they should win. Like, they were only up by six going into the fourth quarter in that last game. But it's like the opportunity to win presented itself. And that's right. not always the case. Sometimes, Like, Philadelphia scored uh, 43 points against Milwaukee. And, and they ended up losing that game. But when a team does that to you, sometimes it just buries you and, and you can't come back. And so the, the opportunity to win does not always present itself. But it's presented itself time after time to the Charlotte Hornets and and they have not been able to to win these type of basketball games. So if they do turn things around, we're going to be talking about that player. Is it Dwayne Bacon? Is it Malik Monk? Is it somebody that they add in the offseason uh, that turns that that just lights the fire enough um, and and helps Kimball Walker enough to get this team over the hump in these type of games? Okay, moving on. The NBA is considering. Uh, changes to the one-and-done rule and even more changes in their relationship with uh, young players looking to turn pro. Uh, ESPN Brian Windhorst reporting that the NBA has formally met with the Players Association about adjusting that rule, but apparently Adam Silver wants to go deeper on the issue, David, in terms of they're kind of talking about a lot of things that they could do. Set up yeah. academies for high school players to to attend. Maybe present a an alternative summer program that, I mean, my read on this is essentially they want to try to compete with an AAU culture, David, that a lot of experts on this subject, a lot of like Steve Kerr's and Kobe Bryant's and Robert Ory's and even Steve Clifford say, the AAU system is broken. It's not developing 
young basketball players the way they needed to be developed, and the NBA may want to step in here and make some changes. Yeah, man, there's a lot of stuff going on here. Um, and it's all prompted by all this FBI stuff and and the the uh, commission of college basketball or whatever mm-hmm. that's looking into this stuff. Um, I think it's good. And, you know, I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of good that com- com- could come out of this for the NBA to get an eye on these guys more so than they do now. You know, that would be – that's the one thing that kind of piqued my interest. Like, oh, that would be helpful if, uh, you know, these teams knew a little more about these players prior to them seeing them either one year in high school or whatever, or, or now one year in college, right? Like that's why you're seeing several of these guys not have the impact immediately, I think. And I don't think it's going to take away um, flops, right? There's still going to be misses in the draft, but that's just one piece of it. I mean, I, I just don't know. It's so complicated now. Um, I don't think the one and done particularly works. Um, I do think some guys, should just be able to go straight yeah. to the pros, but but David, nobody can figure it out. The, but I don't think the NBA is doing this to fix college basketball. Like no, no, the no, no, NBA, no, no. you know, the NBA instituted the one and done rule not because they wanted to help college basketball by by a by essentially making players go to college and and thus the programs getting these players for one year as opposed to them going straight to the NBA. Like they didn't mm-hmm. do it because of that. It's because those players going to that one year of college increased their brand awareness before they hit the league, before they hit the yeah. league. It wasn't yeah. about preparedness to be in the league. That's how it was framed. But that's not what it was about. And if they fix it, well, if they it also if, kept them out another year, right? It also kept them out. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. there's guys that are NBA that are having their jobs taken every time there's a draft. So it keeps guys at bay another year, I guess. I mean, you're going to have a draft class anyway, but um, right. But they but they did this, I, and I think if the reason they're looking at fixing it is because essentially all of these scandals are tarnishing players that are coming into the league. Like you have reports about the, the, the top picks for this next draft. And it's just, it doesn't, it doesn't look good. And, and that's what this is always about. It's about branding. It's about how things look. Um, it's nice. I think that Adam Silver is looking at an AAU system that, that I think is broken because the experts think it's broken. Why do they think it's broken? Because, it's putting a lot of miles on kids at a young age with summer games and not summer practices. It's not focused enough on practice, team basketball principles, and skill development that helps kids get prepared to join the pros. It's all about just playing four or five games over a weekend. And and you you may you may play for one team in a couple of games and play for another team in another couple of games. It's you're not building you know, like it's not like your high school basketball team where you're with the same group and you're learning about playing with a group. You, uh, uh, do these words sound familiar? It's what Steve Clifford preaches all the time, like finding <laughs> playing groups, playing together, knowing each other. I mean, those are essential elements uh, to playing the pro game. Uh, Clifford spoke about this earlier in the year. He said younger players, they're not fundamentally sound. They don't know the game as well as they used to. NBA NBA guys have been talking about this for 15 years. And maybe could you make that about Malik Monk? Could there you be could. <laughs> could there be an issue with and, and and listen, it's not the top guys. Like the top guys who are, like there's nothing wrong with Ben Simmons. 
Right. We're not really talking about the elite of the elite. We're talking about that that middle section of young players who go through the AAU system, spend one year of college, and then come into come into the league, and they don't have the skills necessary to be on the floor. They're not being prepared. Yeah. And the other thing that I don't think this would clear up as far as an AAU perspective goes is like a lot of things, a lot, one of the things people don't like about the AAU system is this, how buddy buddy guys are, you know? So there's not that competitiveness. Look at the, like we just went through this all-star draft thing to try to make that more competitive. Like I think a lot of casual observers and even NBA people that watch it and don't see the competitive drive all the time or, or yeah. they think as much as they used to. I mean, I think they lay a lot of the blame on that AAU as well because guys are playing AAU, Doug, like they were playing high school, you know, when, when we were coming up. Like no one cares about high school anymore. It's it's all about AAU and these guys are playing with each other um, all the way up. So it seems like that would still be present, but this is just a lot to bite. I mean, this is a lot to, you know, a lot to chew on uh, on how to fix this whole thing. I don't think it's going to, you know, if you're hoping to fix college basketball or you're hoping to fix uh, shady people being involved in that. I don't think this or anything else is going to stop that from happening. I mean, maybe people start going to jail. That might, but I, I kind of doubt it. I mean, all that stuff seems like it's always going to be there. So I don't know. You're right, though. I mean, the NBA has got to take care of, of itself, and that's clearly what it's doing, whether it's a um, well, and that, listen, or whether it's a bit development thing. The I, I think someone's listening to this right now and saying, hey, wait a minute. What's wrong with the quality of play in the NBA right now? What's what's wrong? I mean, you I yeah. think we're in a we're in a golden age of NBA basketball. And we're in a we're in an age of shooting. Not everyone likes that though. People people right. think there needs to be more big play. People think there needs to be more more fundamental play and less of a focus on jump shooting. And I I think that You've got this AAU system that is developing players in a certain way that is showcasing their individual play, not showcasing their team play. And and Steve Kerr, who has coached his sons in AAU, has talked about what you mentioned there, David, that there is not a there is not a focus on competitiveness in AAU in terms of team competitiveness. Like my team is going to beat your team. There's competitiveness in the sense of I need to showcase myself better than that guy so that I can be recruited for College X, so that I can be recruited for Kentucky or by Kentucky, by Duke. So I can go to the NBA. Right. But but at the same time, it's like, what? well, if I can get my game off and you're on the other team and you can get your game off, well, so be it. I'm showcasing right. myself as long as we don't go one-on-one with one another. But there's not a focus on winning. Like, there's nothing – in AAU, you go mm-hmm. to these tournaments, but the tournaments don't mean anything. <laughs> like, it's not like your high school championship where you, you're with the same people and you grind and grind and grind, and at the end, there's this, there's this cool sense of satisfaction of, hey, we built this thing six months ago, and now we're here. And, and that, that kind of – I think that kind of competitive drive, I think it exists within you, but just like your basketball skills can be developed. And and you saw that with Kobe. Like Kobe uh, was developed overseas. And and he says, like, it's a whole different world in Europe where 
you, you do go and you develop your fundamentals and you develop with a team and you ride with that team and, and it's, just, it's, a, it's more similar to high school basketball. And I think what the NBA is trying to look at is developing a system to compete with the AAU that more mirrors high school basketball mirrors like that sense of hey we're we're all working towards a unified goal as opposed to individual goals and you know again Clifford here's Clifford he said every year guys are less prepared less fundamentally sound it's gotten worse and worse obviously the one and done is part of it but I think a bigger part of it is youth basketball and the way all this traveling across the country and playing nine games with no structure Right. So I don't think it's not it's not affecting the quality of play at the top. Like Russell Westbrook, LeBron James, these these people that were given these amazing God-given talents and then develop those God-given talents and are at the top of the top, they're not being affected. It is that it is that center uh that I think uh you know you're seeing players that are that are less prepared to play team defense, that are less prepared to run an offense. Than than they were maybe twenty years ago. Yeah, and maybe and, and the, the tough part about that is maybe that's fueling this row. Like you're seeing the game get faster, you're seeing the game become more about shooting. And look for the best teams, the Warriors, the Rockets. It's still about running an offense. It's still about passing. The Philadelphia 76ers, who the Hornets play tonight, are one of the best passing teams in the league. So it's still about that. But at the same time. You know, I mean, a lot of this is individual play. Yeah, so. I mean, that's the that's the, that's the catch twenty two. They want to show off. I mean, they they built the league on showing off individuals, right? I mean, marketing individuals. Um, so it's it's part of it. I mean, how do they balance that? How do they figure that out? How do they foster that and then still develop guys who want to play on teams and 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 beat other guys? Um, it's a lot. Of, it's a lot to figure out, Doug. Well, it's, join it's us tomorrow, complex. and we will solve all we'll of the NBA's <laughs> problems. We will fix college basketball. That's what we do here on Locked On Hornets. Uh, thanks so much for listening. This has been a fun show. Let us know what you think on Twitter at Locked On Hornets. Follow us on Instagram at Locked On Hornets as well. If you like what you heard today. Do us a favor, subscribe if you haven't subscribed already, iTunes, Stitcher, Overcast, Spotify, whatever you use to get your podcast, just search Locked on Hornets. And the second thing is tell somebody about this podcast, tell a friend, retweet us, tell them to follow us on Twitter, tell them to subscribe to us, tell them what a podcast is. A lot of people don't even know what a podcast is. We get on here for 30 to 40 minutes every weekday and we talk about the NBA, we talk about the Hornets, and uh, we read your comments as well. So... Uh, Let them know about Locked on Hornets. We really appreciate it. We're back again tomorrow. For David, I'm Doug. Go Hornets. Go America. Let's swarm Charlotte.